good to be with you, whether you're here in person or with us online. I want to I start just a little bit differently this morning, and I want to invite you to close your eyes. And I want to read our text from John 15 this morning. I'm going to be reading it from the message with the hope that it evokes new pictures and fresh images and maybe some new feelings to a familiar text to some of us. So close your eyes. It won't be on the screen. Here's John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. And this is Jesus speaking. I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine. You are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me, and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose. That my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. Father, we come to you this morning. and We ask that you would open our eyes to see you our ears to hear your word, and may you open our hearts so that we may receive what you have for us, and may you mold and shape us into the image of your son, Jesus. Amen. So I love kids. I have two of them, so I don't know if that's a prerequisite to having them, but now I'm forced to love them or like them. But I do. I do love them. And maybe you love kids. Maybe you have nieces or nephews or young siblings or cousins. And one of my favorite things about kids is that they're honest, right? Especially young kids. They're honest with what they're thinking and they're honest with what they're feeling. Just the other day, I was putting my three-year-old to sleep, and he was getting in his bed, and he was looking at me with his sweet eyes, and, and I thought he was about to say something really nice. He said, Dad, I love your big, fat belly. And, and I just said, I love you too. Good night, son, right? Like, they're just honest what they're thinking. Um, and, and, it's, and it's funny, but they're also honest with how they're feeling, Right? They let their emotions out. We have a book that's called God Knows All About Me. And there's a line in the book that says, When I whisper, when I shout, when I let my feelings out, God knows all about me. And if you've seen kids throw temper tantrums 
or yell or hit or throw or just not listen. They may not be able to identify what they're feeling, but they're feeling something. They're honest that they are feeling something, but also with joy. Right? When they're experiencing happiness or joy, you got the pitter-pattering of the feet, the loud noises. Ask those who live in the basement below us. They may not like it, but they're happy. Kids feel things and are honest about what they're feeling. And I want to propose to us this morning that one of the main reasons we are not attached to Jesus as he invites us to be in John 15 is because we're not honest about the things we're feeling. We're not honest about our emotions, and many times we are suppressing or ignoring them. And the hope for this morning is as we are in our series, In Pursuit of Fullness, that we pursue the full, abundant, and complete life Jesus offers to us through our emotions. Not by going around them, not by denying them, but actually the way to abundant life is through our emotions. And this text, I think, gets us to this point. Early on in the text, Jesus has an invitation. In verse 4, he says this, Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. He's inviting you and me to abide, to be attached to him. So that we may experience life because being attached to Jesus is the only way to be fruitful. It's the only way to have full joy and full peace and full contentment. And notice what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, I'll make my home in you as you make your home in me. As if it was dependent upon us. No, he says, make your home in me just as I do in you, which is always. Jesus to you is always present saying, I'm right here. Attach yourself to me. I want you to experience freedom. I want you to experience life. I want you to have my joy and peace and contentment. I want you to be like me. So attach yourself to me. This text is an invitation to do that. Because if Jesus, if, if us abiding in Jesus was dependent upon us, he wouldn't be anywhere close. But no matter where you find yourself right now, the emotions and things you're feeling, or the things that you've done, or the circumstances that you're in, Jesus' invitation is for you. Abide. Come. Attach. I want to give you life. I want you to pursue, pursue fullness as my son, as my daughter. But then he goes on in the text and he invites us to be attached, but then he talks about being separated. Right, verses 5 and 6 say, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest is going to be abundant. But Then he says this, separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up, and thrown on the bonfire. And you may be thinking at this point, okay, Sam, what does this have to do with my emotions? What does being attached to Jesus have to do with my emotions? Where are we going with this? And as I said at the beginning, I believe one of the main reasons we're separated from Jesus, and maybe not fully and completely, 
but partially it's because we don't know ourselves. Or put differently, we are not in tune with our emotions. Or we lash out with our emotions and we express them in an unhealthy way. Or we deny or suppress them. St. Augustine, in his book, his Confessions, many of us have probably read that. I'm sure it's assigned in a few dork classes. He writes this. He asks this question. How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? Part of maturing as an apprentice of Jesus is knowing yourself and your emotions and what you're feeling. And too often we separate ourselves from that. Right, so if this is the case, if we believe what St. Augustine is saying, what are emotions? What are feelings? Daniel Goleman in his book, Emotional Intelligence, defined emotion as this, referring to a feeling in its distinctive thoughts, psychological and biological states, and range of propensities to act. And here's the reality. People spend their life work talking about emotions and trying to uncover all of our emotions and looking at the differences between emotions and feelings. We don't have the time to do that. But I think for our purposes, it's important to understand that feelings are emotions embodied. Feelings are emotions embodied. If you've seen the movie Inside Out, right, you have all these emotions in this little girl's brain. Disgust, uh, joy, sadness, anger, and they're all, you know, that's how I picture my brain to work. I don't know if it's true. But then when, when there, stuff, stuff is going on in there, that's the emotions. But then feelings are embodied when she cries, when she runs away, when she's feeling lonely. And researchers classify, right, there's hundreds of emotions. But mainly researchers classify them into eight different families with their related emotions in parentheses. You, we're not going to read every one of them, but you can see them on the screen. But the eight families are anger, sadness, Fear, enjoyment, love, surprise, disgust, and shame. Have you experienced any of these before? Maybe all of them. For sure, most of them. We have experienced emotions. We feel things. So what does the Bible say about emotions? If, if the reality is we feel these, we have felt disgust, we have felt delight, we have felt shame and anger. What does the Bible say about them? Well, Scripture's full of them. Damon read from a psalm for our call to worship. I encourage you, go read the book of Psalms. They are a book of honest prayers to God, full of emotion. Read some of the Psalms David wrote, and he says things, I cried aloud, I am languishing. In Psalm 139, he says, I hate my enemies with hatred. It's like double hate, right? He's not teaching us to hate people. He's just being really honest to God that he literally is angry and hates these people pursuing after him, hates his enemies. There's joyful ones too. Psalm 126, our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues full of joy. So God's people feel, we feel, but God also feels. 
We don't have time to go, I would love to go Genesis to Revelation, all the times God feels. But here are just a few description words of God throughout Scripture. The Lord God regretted. The Lord God was deeply troubled. The Lord your God is a jealous God. In Isaiah, God says, I, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp and pant. The Lord experiences fierce anger. He loves with an everlasting love. Scripture tells us that God's compassion is aroused. Jesus in the New Testament is described as being sorrowful and troubled, as being deeply distressed, but also full of joy. God feels. He created us to feel. So why do we often suppress our feelings? Why do we often, are we unable to identify them and feel them in a healthy way? I think one of the reasons is, is we're taught it. Maybe we're not known that we're taught it consciously, but I think Plato and some of the Stoic philosophers taught that emotions were unruly. They're irrational. They're the enemy of virtue, and they're actually the weakest part of ourselves. They so believed that the mind and the will was so superior to emotions, right, that they felt like the mind and will could conquer emotions. And I think we've adopted this and maybe Christianized it a little bit. We take the verse from Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all else, which is true, but also in Scripture, the heart is where, like, rivers of life flow from. And we say, oh, the heart's deceitful. We shouldn't feel. Too often people are told to get over their feelings, to rationalize their way out of depression and anxiety and sadness and despair. For whatever reason, we pit faith against feelings as if they're opposed to one another. Right? If you're sad or anxious or fearful, you just simply don't have enough faith in God. You don't believe his promises. You don't believe he's good. Right? That's how we feel. That's what we're inherently taught sometimes. But the reality is our emotions are not opposed to faith. They're actually the very things that can bring us to faith. And we'll get there in, in just a second. So why do we suppress them? One, I think we're taught it. Here's the second reason why I think we do this. is because it's easier to mask our feelings. It's easier to cover them up. Right? It's easier not to deal with them because identifying and expressing our emotions is tough work. Because listen to this, emotions reveal what we are attached to. Particularly anger and anxiety. Let me say that again. Anger and anxiety reveal to us what we are attached to. We become angry when we don't get what we want, and we become anxious when we are fearful we won't get what we want. And I, and I focus on anger and anxiety because I think those are two emotions our world and us in this room maybe are experiencing more than any other over the last year. Anger at what's going on. Anxiety about a pandemic and what school looks like and all of the other things. Anger and anxiety are self-revelations of what it is we want and what it is we worship. Anger and anxiety show us our gods. 
And if we're honest, right, there can be righteous anger. The Lord has righteous anger. But if we're honest with ourselves, most of the anger and anxiety we experience is not because of the things of Jesus. It's because we're concerned with upward mobility. We're concerned with our career. We're concerned about the money that we make. We're concerned about the state of politics in our nation. All good things to think about. But basically, we are consumed or attached to what we do, our performance, what we have, our possessions, and what others think of us, our popularity. And identifying those attachments and being honest about them is hard, difficult, slow work. And it's easier to get lost in whatever show we're watching on Netflix. It's easier to fill up our calendars so we don't have the time or space to actually sit and understand how we're feeling and express that to God. It's easier to scroll through social media or whatever news source you like to use. Again, none of those are inherently bad things, but too often we mask our feelings so we don't have to reveal them. We will do anything so we don't have to reveal to ourselves and to others how separated we are from Jesus. So how does this play out in like real life? I want to give you an example. This, this is, these are two very real examples. Uh, but just a few weeks ago, my wife asked me, she said, hey Sam, will you do dishes tonight? Pretty normal question. And I responded kind of angrily and said, are you saying I never help around the house? Like, because, and then I went off. I did this whole list because I gave the boys breakfast this morning. I helped put them to bed. Like, I helped cook dinner. Like, and I went off and I like felt angry. And she just said, No, I just asked you to do the dishes tonight. And I, I stopped and I thought, what, what in me responded with anger in desiring to prove myself and all that I've done? And I realized I'm much more attached to what people think of me and my reputation than I realize. Because if I feel someone's attacking my reputation, if I feel someone's not thinking I'm doing well, then I want to respond and say, actually, here are all the things I've done. Here's another one. Early on in our marriage, my wife wanted to be really, really nice and serve me by doing my laundry. Fun fact, I don't trust anyone to do my laundry except me. I'm weird. If you ask me why, you ask me why later. But I remember she did my laundry and I was like, Okay, we're married. I'm upset right now. And this is kind of funny because I have a particular way I do laundry and it's all this thing. But again, okay, why did I get angry? Maybe because she didn't ask, but, but what I realized is I'm attached to control. I trust myself more than I trust any person. I trust myself more than I trust God sometimes. And I'm attached to control. Our emotions reveal to us our attachments. And the truth is, when we suppress or deny our emotions, we're actually suppressing and denying a peace that makes us an image bearer of the living God. When we deny or suppress our emotions, we are denying a piece of us that makes us like God. Our God feels and he created us to feel. And we cannot experience the full and abundant life Jesus offers if we do not identify and express what we are feeling. And as we deny our feelings, we become less and less human. 
We've become a shallow, hollow person that has a smile on the outside. We put on a good face, but inside we are dying. And I want you to hear me. I'm not saying all emotions are good and even right. There are negative emotions. But what I am saying is we should identify those and express them in a healthy way, particularly to God first. Because emotions can be our teachers. And not only do we suppress a part of us that makes us an image bearer, when we deny or ignore our feelings, we're actually denying and ignoring a way that God communicates to us. Just as we get hunger pains telling us we need to eat some food, I believe God gives us emotions particularly anger and anxiety to show what we are attached to. And God wants us to identify our emotions and express them to him to reveal what our true attachments are. Back to John 15. Why does Jesus want us to do this? Why does he want us to be attached to him? He tells us in verse 11, I've told you these things for a purpose that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. Jesus has invited you and me to be attached to him so that we may have full and complete joy, so that we can experience abundant life. So if emotions, particularly anger and anxiety, reveal to us attachment, reveal to us our attachments, if we suppress or deny or ignore them, we will never know what we're truly attached to. And as a result, we will never be able to be fully attached to Jesus and the way that he's inviting us into in John 15. We may be attached on the surface and kind of drooping down, but we will never experience the fullness of life Jesus wants us to if we deny our emotions. But when we identify and express them and realize that we are attached to what we do, what we have, or what others think of us, Jesus, as the gardener, is able to take that pruning knife and cut it off. When we identify our emotions and we're honest to God about them, he will slowly but surely reveal all the places in our heart that are not attached to him, and it will hurt, and it will be hard, and we'll have to come to grips with it. But when we do that, he gently but painfully will cut off the things that are not of him. So what are you attached to? What are you feeling right now? You know what happens when this verse 15 or 16 says, you know what this will lead to? Yes, it will lead to joy, but then it will lead to fruit that never spoils. When we're honest about what we're feeling, we will experience abundant and complete joy, which leads to fruit that will last forever. So where do we go from here? How do we become attached to Jesus? The application this morning is really simple, but pretty difficult. Cry out to God as the psalmist cry out and let him know how you feel. Tell him what you're angry about. Tell him what you're anxious about. 
Tell him about the, the sorrow and the grief and the sadness that you're experiencing right now. Tell him about the joy you have. He wants to know he's your dad. Maybe you just need to cry. Do you know they did a study and they compared the tears from onions and the te real tears? Tears from onions are 98% water, but real, genuine tears are actually releasing toxins from your body. We were created to cry. And here's what I know. As me as a dad to Zion and Judah, a fallen human being that's a dad, there's nothing more I want to do than sit and listen and hug and be present as my son is kicking and screaming and feeling and yelling. And I know that's even more the case for our Heavenly Father. We have a Father who wants to listen to you. We have a Father who wants to be present and receive all that you're feeling. He wants to know about your emotions and sadness and anxiety and shame and anger are not antithetical to faith, but they are actually the very things that bring us to faith. They are the very things that allow us to make our home in Jesus and be attached to him. And what we'll see slowly taking place is our anger turning to calm and our anxiety to peace. And our sadness will move to joy. And our attachments will be revealed. And the gardener will be able to cut them off. 